This is Dan Mueller from Wilderun, and you're listening to The New Scene. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The New Scene. I am your host, Keith, and we are back with a brand new episode. And on the show tonight, the one, the only, Tim Barry. You know him from Avail. You know him from his solo work. It's a fantastic conversation. This is one, this is one of those episodes where I had a whole page of notes sitting in front of me, ready to go. I didn't look at them once during the entire conversation. We got into it and we were rolling and you're going to absolutely love it. That's coming up in a minute. So folks, don't forget to support the scene, the new scene, that is. We need Apple Podcast and Spotify reviews. I've got to get us over 100. I have to. I have to. And I need you to get me there. We're currently at 69 on Apple Podcasts and 59 on Spotify. We're getting closer. You're getting there. You're getting there. You're giving me the reviews and we're getting closer. Keep them coming. I've got two new Apple podcast reviews I'm going to read at the end of the show. So keep sending in those reviews and you can support us directly by purchasing the new scene long sleeve life is music is life shirt. Head over to Death Wish Inc. Search the new scene. The shirt will pop right up. It's the best way to support us right now. We don't have a Patreon. Any extra episodes, I just put them up on our feed. But your purchase of the shirt can help support our production costs. So check it out. If you like the shirt, buy it. And of course, don't forget to support our sponsor, Iodine Recordings. Check them out at iodinerecords.com. One of Iodine Recordings' new band's Attempt Survivors has a new single, Follow Me Chaos, up at Brooklyn Vegan. It is a Brooklyn vegan premiere. The song is great. The band is great. Go check them out. You have to. So let's talk about some new music. Holy Fawn has a new single out. Holy Fawn, one of my favorite newer bands out there doing it right now. They have a new single, Death is a Relief. I love it. It's classic Holy Fawn. This band can do no wrong. From their shirt designs, to the music, to the live performance, I love everything that they do. Keep it up, Holy Fawn. Love the new single. And folks, have you heard Soft Kill? Have you seen this band? Have you heard about this band? Have you listened to this band? I'm hearing a lot about them these days, so I check them out. I really love what they're doing. Good post-punk type sound. I went and checked out all the music. I love it. It's great. My favorite was the 2020 album Dead Kids R.I.P. City. I think that was my overall favorite, but they've got a new single out, Press Play. I really like that. It's a There's a lot of music out there. Different flavors, different sounds, but I really like what they're doing. And I was on Twitter and I saw Sean Durkan from the band Tweet. I left New York as a suicidal junkie, came back four years later to headline Bowery Ballroom, only addicted to candy and black and milds. I consider it a victory. You love to hear it. You really do. I'm happy for anybody who has that story because that's my story. So congrats, Sean. Congrats. Soft kill. Really enjoy what you're doing. Okay, so check back in with me at segment three. I'll check in. We'll talk some more. I'll read two new reviews. But folks, right now, 
we are going to speak to Tim Barry. Enjoy. All right, folks, we are here now with Tim Barry. Tim, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good afternoon. It's 12.01. It just turned afternoon right this minute. Tim, it's great to have you here. You know, you've done so much in music between Avail and your many solo albums, and we're going to talk about all that stuff. But first, Tim, I've got to ask you, how are you doing today? I'm doing well this morning. I'm doing very well. How about you? Oh, I'm doing good. You know, it's, well, this has been kind of a stressful week. You know, work is crazy. Life is a little crazy. So I feel a bit down in the dumps, but that's okay because, I don't know, things always get better, right? Tell me why. What's, what, why is life and work and things crazy? Well, I messed up something at work that cost the company $3,000 and I was really stressing about it, but, you know, it, it blew over. It's fine. And uh, I used to do this podcast with my friend and co-host, but he recently left, and uh, now I'm doing it solo. So that's a little weird, you know? It's like it's like losing a, a founding band member. Yeah, that's that's definitely weird. And you know, I don't know. From my experience, I really like being solo. <laughs> so yes. poss- possibly you'll, you'll benefit from it. And you know, man, that work shit, I know I'm not, you weren't asking for advice or nothing, but. Shit happens. We all mess up. Yeah. And you know what? Who we're surrounded by is really represented in those situations where it's the people who who use it and hold it against you and those who understand that we all make mistakes and there'll be a time for all of us to do something like that. It's just money too. Fuck it. We're not in the military. <laughs> I don't know that I don't know what you do for work, but it doesn't sound like you're in the military, so it's not like someone's gonna lose their life. Uh, over your mistake. So fuck it. It's just money. I like your outlook, Tim. You're right. It was a, a less than a percentage point of a mistake. And you know what? I used to work for somebody who would throw it back in my face and make it crazy all the time. But they were just like, hey, just don't make the mistake again. And I was like, no problem. The only way you can do something right is to mess up. I mean, really, so much of what I've learned in life is through mistakes. Make a mistake and you generally won't do it again. Exactly. Tim, what's the last mistake you made that you had to learn from? Trying to figure out how to use the computer for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Was it difficult? No, I'm getting I'm getting okay with it. I had to get a new computer cuz uh 
well, I made this mistake because I'm not a tech person and it's not that I'm a Luddite or uh, the type of person that uh, abhors change or development or anything. It's just, I'm not, I'm super uninterested in technology and I understand how some people really love it and get excited. So it's not a criticism. It's just personally um, not really into it. But um, my big mistake years ago was I thought when I bought an expensive MacBook Pro that it was a one-time investment. And that was a mistake because I didn't realize that the business model is that they essentially expire and you have to buy a new one every couple of years. So I learned the hard way uh, not long ago that the computer that I I was once using uh, wouldn't allow me to do kind of anything anymore. So I have this new one and now we can talk fluidly through this. You know what? It sounds good, Tim. And our setup time was less than a minute. Sometimes it can range anywhere from a minute to an hour, depending on the level of technical intervention that's needed. So I did learn something along the way in making mistakes. And this was over the pandemic was I was doing live, uh, you know, like live streams here from home, just yeah. singing songs like many of our peers were doing. And um, that helped me expedite sort of the set, the audio setup of this. It's essentially exactly the same thing that I used through a condenser mic and, a, and whatnot. And here we are. I love it. How did you figure this out? Because Tim, I was reading a bunch of interviews with you over the years, learning about you. And in one old interview from 2007, you were like, yeah, I have a computer, but it has a virus and it's it's not even working. And then I read a later interview with you and it looks like you're even doing some home recording and production stuff. How did you learn it? Uh, I don't do home production in recording stuff. Although I, I will use GarageBand to put stuff down. Honestly, I only use uh, like my iPhone memos just to record songs so I don't forget them. And I leave the recording up to my buddy Lance Kohler across the river to record all my garbage. Um, but that's probably very accurate about having a computer that didn't work. And like everybody, I, when it's time to ask for help, I ask folks for help. And I, I do that frequently. And I can think of three people. The person who taught me how to use the audio stuff was James Bowman. And then my good friend Curtis Grimstead, who I should uh, credit all my records as like my IT guy, helped me learn how to <laughs> use the new computer, as did my neighbor Grace Kuhn. So I'm lucky to have three allies in the technology department. That's nice. It's not, yeah, I, I still find that asking for help is the hardest thing in the world. One, because I don't know, I'm kind of reserved and I don't want to bother people. And two, well, it's just hard. Is it hard for you? No, not at all. In fact, that's good. I, I think it's a, a good life lesson. I have two young daughters, and I and I, I really do believe in them asking questions. And when they don't understand, understand something, um, that I encourage them to ask folks. Because really, just like learning from our mistakes, I mean, if you don't know how to change a tire, don't stand there and pretend like you do. Ask someone to teach you. <laughs> that's it. See, I used to be the guy who would pretend that I didn't need help, and then be upset when no one helped me. And then the tire flew off and hurt someone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's no way to live. No. Tim, how old are your daughters? Uh, Seven and nine. Wow. So you've probably got your hands full all the time, right? Yeah. And I love every second of it. It's the best best thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. So um, I really do believe that there's been two stages in my life. There's my life without kids and there's my life with kids and I like this life with the girls um, much better. 
it, it's you know anybody who's a parent knows it's 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 so exciting. I can't wait. I can't wait to see what they do. I can't wait to see what all their friends do in the future. I can't wait to see you know because times are turbulent, times are confusing, times are far more stressful than than um than I remember, and you know they're growing in it and to to give them some guidance and some support and some love and some focus and then get to see how they change things for the better is really exciting. It's, it, it's really neat. And, um, I can't wait to just sit down and crack open a beer and make them feed me and take <laughs> care of me. <laughs> I love it. What do they think of your music career? Do they, are they familiar with a lot of your music? Um, I mean, yeah, they, it, it, I mean, we we're surrounded by music. We play music all the time. Um, I think, you know, like it, it's just normal to them because it's all they know of me. Um, yeah. Recently, we watched uh, like an Avail video or something. Yeah, it was an Avail video. And I remember Coralie, my youngest daughter, going, this is actually pretty good, which was surprising because they usually <laughs> don't really, you know, she really likes pop music. But um, I think they're starting to realize like daddy's a little different than uh, some of the other, you know, dads at the school where like, I think they're realizing the luck of me being available for them nearly all the time. Um, instead of having to like keep regular hours at, at a, a sort of standard job, I'm, I'm able to work around their schedule and then, um, show schedules and stuff like that are based on, um, my schedule, scheduling needs with them. So, um, but I don't know how to answer that question. If one of them was here, I'd have them answer it. Um, cause they can speak <laughs> for themselves. But, you know, the other day I was playing music at, at their school and they're slow. You know, I go every year and play music at their school and for all the kids And and I think this year they're starting to feel pretty cool about it. Like, Oh man, our weird dad comes and plays Taylor Swift songs and the hokey pokey. And you are my <laughs> sunshine for our friends. And they're, they're either, they're on the cusp of being completely embarrassed, but right now I think they're pretty excited. I love that. That has to be the best feeling. Yeah, you want to. The scariest thing in the world is playing in front of kids. They, they, they're the you know they're the most honest beings out there. They'll they'll tell you exactly what what they what they think. I love it. I love playing for all kinds of different people. Kids and your own family are the toughest critics. So I think if your kid said, "Hey, Dad, this is actually pretty good," if they're watching an avail video, that that's high praise. Yeah, I was honestly surprised. My older daughter, Leela you know, she likes punk. She, she, we go to vinyl conflict, the record store here and buy bad brains records and black t-shirts and stuff. Coralie is more into the princess stuff. So I was a little surprised by that. Tim, let's get to know you a little bit better. Tell us about growing up in Richmond. Well, I grew up in Virginia and I've lived in the city here for 30 something years, but, um, I don't know what to say. Just like every urban area, it's changing very quickly. It once felt like a village here. Now it feels like a city, you know, lots of development and lots of change, but it's still home. It affords us a lot of opportunities for my family. And um, I don't know, it's hard to, hard to explain, you know, a lifetime somewhere in a nutshell, but I certainly do love it, especially now. Um, I love the changing seasons. You're up in Brooklyn, so you know what I'm talking about. And I, uh, and I, 
I, I know that people love places like San Diego where it's similar temperature all the time, but I'm really seasonally dependent. I love the changes. I love the different cycles that I go through uh, with the changing seasons. And right now spring is exploding and uh, the osprey are back and the seagulls have left and the eagles are are hunting shad and and everybody's out fishing for striper and the dogwoods are blooming and everything's budding and everybody's putting in their gardens and it's just such an exciting time of year. Yeah, I love it. I love the season changes and I would never want to be without it. Yeah, and you know, like I always in the winter I spent so I spend so much time, I've realized this over the years, I spent so much time writing and reading and writing songs and being creative, I guess, with you know, the short short days and then when the spring comes, it's just all I can do is be out, be outside. I'm happiest when I'm in the woods, I'm happiest when I'm on the river, I'm happiest when you know, when I get up and go running or spend out time outside. I don't have earbuds in, I listen. And there's so much to see and hear at different times of year. But right now, in particular, uh, it's just, I guess I'd take it all in and then put it into songs. Yeah, you know, I, I'm getting more in tune with my surroundings. I would say pre pandemic, I always had music on in headphones, no matter where I was going. But now, I don't know, something changed. I sometimes I'll just walk around and look and listen to, to things. And I think that's where I think that's the way to go. You know, I find myself too inundated with content at all times. And I need to take a little more time just to take in my surroundings. It's important. I think that people are forgetting about that. We all just I mean, and this is not a criticism. It's just we're it's just things change and we acclimate to it. But then at some point you have to realize like you can't stare at your phone all day. You have to produce your own life. You can't listen to music and podcasts and news as you're walking around all the time. You have to see your own things and hear your own things and go your own directions. I know that we we're all filled. A lot of us are filled with a lot of anxiousness and anxiety and that constant content sort of mutes that uh, in periods, but there's a time we got to let go of of everything. I found that recently just sitting down at the end of the day outside and just listening, even if I'm distracted by someone's uh, music coming from their car or, you know, the neighbors having a fist fight or some shit, it's, it's, (laughs) it's still, I'm just sitting there and not doing anything. No phone, no music, just sitting. And after like 20 minutes, I realized like how happy I am and how focused I am on on just like my own thoughts. I don't know. We have all, uh, we all have our own ways of doing things and not everybody has the opportunity to just sit down at the end of a day. But if you can try it. It's important. My version of that is, you know, I'll just walk to my local pizza place or walk to the corner store because I need to get something. And just that short walk with no headphones outside in the nighttime in Brooklyn, it brings me peace because, you know, I'm in front of computers all day for my regular job, for the podcast editing, recording, all this stuff. So it's, you know, you got to unplug once in a while. Yeah, it's important. It's important. I do it a little more than once in a while. (laughs) Yeah. You sound like more of an outdoors guy. Have you always been like that? Oh, yeah. When I was a kid, they called me nature boy. No, you can't (laughs) ring the the bell for dinner and then I'll go, I'll eat and I'll go right back out. No, and my girls are the same way. No, I I can't, I can't function if, 
there's a few things that I know about myself. I never sit down. And that's why I always keep trying to practice that sitting down thing. But like, I never sit down and I never want to be inside ever. I'm always happier outside. I'm in my little house. We have a little 900 square foot house. All the windows are open. The doors are open. You know, like I can't, I don't even like to be closed in. I love that. You know, I, I had to learn the concept of opening the window just, I don't know, a year or two ago. Like someone was like, hey, you know, you like you open the window for an hour a day and let some fresh air in. And I was like, really? And that this was like a foreign concept to me. What? That's crazy. <laughs> and I look at the apartment across the street and they all have all their blinds are closed. And I always wonder what people are doing behind them. And it, <laughs> it, it's not that I don't, you know, that's there where everybody has their own way of doing things, but I can't imagine that. Yeah. I stayed in a hotel once in Manchester, England, and it was a windowless hotel room that I was in. And um, it was by far one of the, the most confusing nights of my life. And I enjoyed it because I like things being different, but yeah, man, it was strange. I'll never forget it. I'll, I, I'll forget a thousand other hotel rooms, but not that one. <laughs> I've stayed in those hotel rooms where there's no window or I don't know. It's, it's a little claustrophobic and that's coming from me, someone who likes being inside. But I at least like to be able to see outside. You know what I mean? Yeah, no doubt about that. Well, Tim, tell us about growing up and discovering music. Have you always loved music? Have you always been into it? Yeah. So my introduction to music, like so many, is is what my parents listened to. And then the church that we went to played sort of like a rebellious version of uh, of Catholic hymns. They were kind of like Earth Mothers and whatnot, playing folk versions of, of, of Catholic songs. So it was like the first kind of music I heard. And then, of course, our, our family's record collection, which was, you know, everything from Woody Guthrie to Leonard Skinnerd. And um, everything in between, you know, Bob Dylan and Willie Nelson and whatnot. And then, you know, in classic rock and my dad listened to a lot of classical. So that was when I heard music as a child. And then the real breakthrough into uh, a different kind of music was having an older brother who led me in the direction of metal, which led to the direction of punk and uh were more like the crossover and then and then into punk. So so that it's kind of represented in all the music that I play now where uh Avail, which is a punk band, was a natural rebellion for me based on the music that I was listening to and enjoyed through my brothers uh leading and then the music that I play now which is more folk and Americana which is sort of the comfort food that I was raised on musically. So it kind of all makes sense when I look back on it, how I ended up doing what I'm doing now. But I love the spirit and the sound of punk and sort of something that's always going to be with me. It's taught me so much through my whole life and it's formed how I think and how I interact with other people. I just really love acoustic music, though. And so that's kind of what I play. Although Avail is out doing a handful of shows this year as well. Oh, nice. We're going to talk about that. Did you ever fall out of step with the more folk-oriented music? Did you ever say like, oh, I don't like this because my parents liked it and that type of thing? Oh, I, I mean, yeah. And that's what I mean by my, my rebellion. So 
you know, my backlash to uh, having to hear folk versions of Christian hymns was listening to Venom's At War with Satan or Slayer's <laughs> Rain and Blood. Um, it was, you know, polar fucking opposite. It was empowering as a young person to to have that sort of uh, middle finger towards what I considered an establishment. Although looking back on it, I have two fantastic and loving parents, <laughs> but teenagers are teenagers and my kids are right around the corner from it. So we'll see what they flick off back to me. But um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that was it, man. Like it, I played crossover, I played thrash music and then, uh, and then Avail did its thing for many years. And certainly it wasn't, um, Avail wasn't super confrontational or, or, too aggressive, but, um, shit, even my soul, some of my solo songs are far more abrasive than available ever was. So. You know, that is true. I, I was catching up on a lot of your solo work and I was like, wow, yeah, this is, this is coming at me even harder than some avail stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, uh, some of the songs are pretty personal things that thing people get confused by uh, some of my lyrical content in the, in my solo stuff, thinking that if I'm singing in first person, I'm singing about myself. I'm often telling stories, but yeah, I mean like it, in all honesty, the, the first record that I put out solo was called Rivanna Junction. And I didn't think anyone was going to hear that record. Honestly, I were the songs I, you know, like I was putting it together and yeah, I just thought that, only a handful of people would hear it. I had no idea that it would sort of like launch me into becoming the singer songwriter that I, I am to this day. So, um, and I, I bring that up as an example because the, the lyrical content of some of those songs is just like, God, you can't play that in front of anybody's kids or grandma. So, <laughs> so yeah, they, I, that's an old punk playing an acoustic guitar. <laughs> yeah. How did you segue into performing solo? You know, like you, did it come after Avail? No, I was still in Avail, but I, it should be clear that, I mean, we all grew up playing acoustic guitars. And so many Avail songs uh, are rooted in their entirety as acoustic songs. And I could go through a whole list, but that would just be daunting. But although Avail wrote collaboratively, many songs origins were based on acoustics. So it, there was no, there was no like big transition for me at all, other than the fact that I was more of a songwriter and not a guitar player. I learned how to play guitar publicly over many years. So I learned to play guitar on stage and you know, that that's a struggle and sort of embarrassing to look back on, but it was super honest um, I think the biggest transition for me would be not having anyone on stage with me and it's yes. all just me. So if you imagine like the early days when I was playing shows, I'm not a very good guitar player, not a very good singer, but I'm still doing it with my whole heart. And it was very exciting and very scary. And I'll tell you, that sort of element of fear being on stage alone was exactly what I needed at that time. What I love about punk and what I love about Avail was the energy and the excitement and the buildup and the fear and the chaos and the violence and the 
the unpredictability of the shows. And then they became routine and something was lost on me. And to pick up an acoustic guitar and stand in front of a small crowd of 30 people gave me that same feeling again. And I became addicted to that fear like I was originally with punk and avail. And that's kind of why I never stopped. And, you know, I just had a two year lull because of the pandemic and went back out and played uh, shows again. I went down and played fest and then, and then I just did a run with be well and hot water music. And that fear is still there. I'm still as anxious as always before I get on stage. I always feel like I'm about to have a heart attack and I'm, I love it. It makes me feel alive. You have to feel in order to be whole. And if I don't feel every emotion on a regular basis, I feel like I've, you know, I'm, there's something that's missing. And it was really nice to get back on stage and be r- reminded of why I like doing this. I like doing this because I love music. Um, I like the fear, the build up to the live show. And I don't know other than that why I do it. I'm certainly not going to get famous. I don't have any intent on getting famous. Uh, financially, music is terribly insecure, but it's just what I do and what I've been driven with for so long. I love that. Is this all you've ever done? Like from a young age, were you like, I'm going to perform and this is what I'm going to do? No, everything in my life and hopefully everybody else's has been one big accident. Yeah, I mean, no, I've worked every shitty job you can imagine in between tours. Yeah. I don't need to give my credentials on that, but I've done every job that everyone else has done other than, well, no, I've never worked behind a computer, but (laughs) I mean, like (laughs) like labor intensive jobs, but no, I mean, you know, I think a lot of this, I think a lot of musicians deal with this too, maybe artists as well, like other visual artists and stuff is that like, you don't intend to like live off of your music. Suddenly you realize that you are. And Mm -hmm. often that happens because you're not home enough to get a job in between. So I distinctively remember with Avail, although seven of us lived together in a house that was $500 a month for the whole house. It was pretty easy to live off of, but we, but most everybody worked between tours and we self-managed and our shows were five to $7. So there's no real way that you can make that much money. But at some point, you know, when tax season came or whatever, I realized that I hadn't worked like a a straight job all year. And then when I look back at the calendar, it's because, well, there was absolutely no time in between tours to to even find work. Um, And that same thing happened with the solo stuff. And, um, you know, I was working uh, with like IATSE Union and all kinds of side jobs, um, unloading trucks and doing set carpentry and building stages and all this stuff between tours. And then one year I was doing taxes and it, that was the same sort of thing. And, and I was like, wow, man, you really, I hadn't been home in forever. So yes, I think for me, it's an accident. Everything's an accident. There's no plan. There's no, like, like I just finished writing a new record. It'll be out on August 12th. It's called Spring Hill. And I'm like, you know, turning my brain off from writing. I've never sat down and said, I'm going to write a record. It just, songs just pop up. And then so I've, my brain has just been like on a different mode than writing. And the, I was telling my daughter Lila this morning, she says she's plagued with the same issue that like three days ago, I just started, I wrote seven songs in three days. I can't stop. They won't stop coming out. 
I wake up in the middle of the night, three in the morning. I'm up writing a song, Came comes in your sleep. And my nine-year-old daughter keeps a notepad next to her bed because she says the same thing happens to her. Bless her heart. <laughs> um, but like, so yeah, again, my everything in my life is one big accident. And I should say that recognizing the luck that I've had in the kindness and support of so many people around me. Absolutely. So it, it doesn't, it sounds like you're just doing what you do. It's not like, okay, I plan to have a career in music. It's like, no, you're playing and you're working to support what you're doing. You're just, you're just going with it. Yeah. I'm just going with it. And it's scary, you know? And I don't think I've ever even used the word career in regards to me playing music. And I've, I can't use the word fan. It feels like most everybody that comes to the show, they almost feel like family members at this point or, you know, close friends. The thing with music for me is every every tour cycle, every year, every conclusion to like a project, I kind of assume that no one will be interested again. And so like right now there's a bunch of show opportunities because, you know, things are opening back up and I'm taking what I can around my kids' schedule. And I keep thinking, well, you got to do these because next year no one's going to care. And then the next year I do it again. And I think no one's going to care the next year. And I just don't know how there's longevity in music anymore. And I'm shocked every year that I get to keep doing this. I feel lucky every year. I'm like, well, what can I, you know, like what kind of other job can I get when no one cares next year? Well, I guess I'll try to get a job at the James River Park system, building the trails or cleaning up the trash. You know what I mean? And then the next year I'm still out playing music. So I just feel so lucky. And you know, that's a really healthy outlook. You're just like, Hey, I'm going to do this thing while I can. And while people might seem to be interested because next year they might not be. It's, it's kind of how I've always done it. And you know what people, when people say that they play every show, like it's their last. Yeah. Most motherfuckers are full of shit, (laughs) but the ones who aren't, you can see it. And I know them and I can see them in my head right now, but I didn't realize when the pandemic came that I really mean it when I was thinking that because I didn't care that I wasn't playing any shows because I played the last show I played like it was my last show. And I was like, all right, I'm cool with this. If we never get out to do live shows again, I'm cool with it because I played that one the best I could. And you can tell the people are full of shit because they're the ones whining on the internet going, oh, I want to play a show so bad, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Just like, you know what, man? You should have killed it. You should have killed it at your last show because then you yeah. could have washed your hands with it and then gone and get a job somewhere. But yeah, again, like I can't stress it. I just, I love music. I love the community around music. I love the people we get to play in front of. I love the camaraderie in the dressing rooms. I love the downtime in the van between shows. I just love it all. I feel so lucky. I also really love being home. And so I just, I couldn't be any more thankful. I love that. You sound pretty centered and accepting of whatever happens. Yeah. I, yeah. I got no control over it. Right. <laughs> Life leads you wherever it leads you. Exactly. If you're willing. Talk about Avail back in the day. How did the band fit into things in terms of the scene and what was going on at the time? 
Did you find acceptance with people? Were you happy with what was going on? Well, I mean, it was the same sort of fly by the seat of your pants and see what happened sort of thing. I don't know really what drove Avail because it certainly wasn't financial. We didn't have like a concrete political message uh, like many punk bands did. And there's it, it's impossible to summarize because we were on the road for 20 years. We put out, oh, I guess five or six records. We got to tour all over the world. I mean, we toured in the United States way more times than I can ever imagine counting. Canada way more times than I can imagine counting. Europe more times than I can count. Australia, Japan, Brazil. I mean, everywhere. And I don't know what we accomplished, except that we got to do it. And that's like something you can't take from us. We got to do it when we didn't have computers or cell phones. We got to do it when you had to study a map. You had to find cross streets to get to the the abandoned building in Dresden, Germany. You know, like <laughs> we had to, you know, like we always knew when we got into a city, if we were in the nice part of town, that that's not where the show was. <laughs> You know, um, yeah. So, it, one of my favorite old punk bands, Born Against, from New Jersey, who ended up in Richmond, when they did their last show, they did sort of like a a pamphlet. They didn't tell anybody it was their last show. And when everyone was walking out of the show, they handed out this pamphlet on the way out the door, and it had sort of like their credentials. It said, you know, Born Against played X amount of shows in this many countries, and we accomplished nothing. <laughs> and, and I kind of think about that with Avail because we don't really get any royalties, you know, like to this day. And we did accomplish nothing in the grand scheme of things as far as the music business goes. But we have a lifetime of memories under our belt that you just can't take. And, that, and, and life lessons that include learning how to live in a tiny van with a trailer with five to seven people for 20 years and then coming home and all living together. It teaches you so much about yourself. Uh, so Avail was a damn trip. It was a trip. And uh, then we stopped playing for many years. And then in 2019, got back together and started just doing a handful of shows here and there. And those will be temporary. But they've been a lot of fun. We just went down south with Be Well and Hot Water Music and did some shows down there. And they just felt so good. It just yeah. felt so good. Not just the Avail shows, but the other solo shows that I just did. They just felt so good. It felt so good to for that connection again. The connection with the road. It's like, you know you miss the road when you start craving truck stops. Not the <laughs> food, just the truck stop. You do the truck stop shuffle, don't buy anything and leave. Like, what is it, you know, about road dogs, old road dogs that we just, we got to go in there and sniff around for a little bit. Yeah. Music. It's a trip. It's the best. You know, it's it's funny to hear you say when Avail initially ended, you know, you were kind of left with nothing because the band just sticks out so, so big in my mind as like a, a foundational band and a band that people are so passionate about. You know, you guys were inactive for a long time. Did you feel the legend growing? Did you find people having more of an interest in it? You know, with the dawn of the internet and social media and all that, did you get did you get more word that 
people were craving more from you? No, that was a mystery. So there's a couple notes on that they think are worth like thinking about. One, I remember Guamper, who plays bass in Avail, is a, a runner. He works a lot of big festivals. Runner meaning that he like you know picks up a popular band at the airport and brings them to the festival site or drops them off at the airport and sort of that's his job. And I remember him saying that he's shocked by how few people, you know, like anybody knew who Avail was. And I recognized that like in my solo shows where like most of the people who come to my shows are saying like, I have no idea what your old band is like, or I didn't know you were in an old band or like, you know, they have no association with me and Avail and um, how it was sort of fading into the background. And, you know, there's the legend of Avail. There's all these rumors about Avail some of which are utter bullshit, some of which are, are, are way too factual. And it was, you know, like, how would we know? Because there's no way to search what Avail had done. There's no website, there's no social media, there's, you know, just these legends, just these records, just these songs. And to me, that's really cool. So I just assumed Avail, you know, was a thing of the past. And we ended at a very interesting time because it was right before technology became handheld and every event could have been easily documented. So it was when YouTube had started and MySpace was dying and there's very little documentation of avail and, you know, for good or bad, who knows? It's like, there was the jackass thing had come out right when we were about to start or stop. And, you know, so people were starting to like pick up camcorders and like, you know, do tricks and film and try to get people to do extreme shit. And so like, there's some very last minute documentation of avail with people in that era. Um, so it's kind of neat and it was hard to judge. Like, you know, would anybody give a shit if we played shows and I'm sure it was a surprise, you know, to all of us, to say the least, to um, to, to get the reaction that we got when we set up two reunion shows here in Richmond that sold out instantly, one online and then one where you were required to buy tickets in person. Yeah. How did you feel about that? Um, I guess I, it was a, comp, you know, a complicated sort of situation there. I don't think I had time to feel. I think the urgency was making sure that the people who are interested in being there could be within the sort of circumstances that we were dealing with. I don't think that we realized. So the, the first show went on sale and sold out within under 10 seconds. And it was alleged that bots had bought the tickets and that was not true. Um, it just sold out that quick. You think again, like to use the word urgency, I, it was just mainly making sure that we could get everybody into both of the shows that we had booked uh, appropriately and, and as fairly as possible. So I don't think there was much feeling involved. I could, I, I know about the people, the people in Avail, they, they, we really care about, really care about each other in our, our, our people and, so yeah, I think that's where most of our focus was. Yeah. I feel that too. It's not like a sterile, Oh, this band is playing this venue. Like there's a, people love you guys. I I feel the love. I see it. That's because we, you know, you can be Lady Gaga and be successful 
with a, a million million fans or whatever, but Avail's shows were not just the band. Avail was the whole community. It was, and this still this goes with the solo stuff too. I I we are the band. Everybody that's in the room is the band, whether they know the songs or not. We're like functioning together. You know, maybe I'm like the band leader when I play solo, and Avail is like the band leader when we're on stage, but it's, it's all of us. If a veil got on stage and jumped around and sang those damn songs and everybody stood there and stared at us with their arms crossed, <laughs> that wouldn't be very interesting. No. It is the whole room. It's a wave crashing and then receding and another wave crashing and receding. It's all of us working together. Exactly. And that's the beauty of this whole thing. Punk, rock, hardcore, whatever your flavor is. That's why I got involved with it. That's why I got hooked on it. And that's why I'm still in it. Yeah, me too. And like, I mean, that's what I, when I say that like my roots are in punk and I'm always going to be that way, but folk music, like old traditional folk music is punk as fuck too. Woody Guthrie is the band leader singing the rebel songs, hip hop, original hip hop, and the hip hop in the street still is exactly the same shit, man. It's a feeling. And I, I really truly respect all of those American forms of art and, and how they shape all of us. You're totally on with that. To me, it's all about the feeling. Like I was at Furnace Fest last fall. I saw Jeremy Enyuk perform just him and a guitar and I cried tears. Yeah. Tears. It was so powerful. So, Tim, I mean, it must be fantastic for you to just stand there with a the guitar and play these songs and everybody's singing along and having a great time. And we're on this emotional roller coaster together. Yeah. Yeah. It's an honor, really, is what it is. How was Furnace Fest? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Literally every band I've ever loved played. Yeah, I really wish we could have gotten down to that. Just going down to Bama and hanging out with all those good folks is worth the trip. And then having all of those fantastic bands on a bill just adds to it. Yeah, it was weird. I hadn't been there since 2002. I was touring with a band back then, and they played. And I, w walking back on those grounds after, what, 20 years, all these memories came flooding back. It was a, it was a rush. Ah, that's awesome. I look forward to trying to get down there at some point. You're going to have to be down there, right? No, no avail offer to play Furnace Fest yet? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. If, if, if Avail ain't playing, I'll probably go down anyway. It's worth it. So Avail plays again. How were the shows? Was it weird to play with everybody again? No, it was great. <laughs> Something that people don't know about Avail is how hard we practice. In the old days, we practiced Monday through Friday. I mean, every fucking day. It, it, you know, it, I don't know what the fuck. We, I mean, it, we, that's intense. No, we did it. And then so like in preparation for those Reunion shows, we practice Monday through Friday, every fucking day before anybody even knew. How long each day? Oh, we it might hit it and quit it, like just do sets or, you know, whatever. It's just like going to the gym. You just got to make it motor memory and like work it out. So we just, you know, like we were practicing before we even told anybody we were considering playing because we were like, if we, we suck, we're not going to do this. So getting back on stage felt real good and, you know, real healthy because we were ready for it. You know, we were ready, you know, it's like going into the boxing ring. We were ready, but, um, 
And yeah, that hasn't stopped. I do the same thing with my solo stuff. I mean, I'm playing up in Philly in a couple of weeks and I'm, I practice every day, go through different set variations every single day. How do you pick a set? Because you've got a lot of material to choose from. Is it just whatever you feel like that day? This new record coming out too. I'm like, how the hell can I play a 45 minute set with all these damn songs? Um, and everybody has their own favorite. <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> um, how there's certain, I'll call them anchor songs that all bands have that you have yeah. to play. You know, like you can't go see Slayer without them doing, you know, Rain and Blood or something. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I have eight anchor songs with solo music. Avail has anchor songs. We'll always play. When I go out to play my own shows, I might have sketched out a set list, um, but I really play by feel. So depending on my own mood or depending on the mood of the room, the political climate, uh, like with current events, um, it just, there is a million circumstances that could lead me in any direction on stage. And, and so I just kind of go, I go, I like, I'll read the room and start with, with whatever, song and then go into another, but there's always anchor songs. There's always songs I'm going to play, but something I don't talk about often is I see songs in colors. I hear songs in colors and not like, not like overwhelmingly like some people, but all of my songs are labeled with colors in my brain. And then they're really ingrained in there. And I won't repeat, uh, colors back to back. So if I start with a song that's black, I'm not going to, the second song won't be black. That's interesting. Talk about what the colors represent. Oh, I don't know. They're just they, they, when a song. If I write a song and it doesn't have a color assigned to it in my brain, then I don't keep the song. So, you know, like I can, I'm writing a set in my head right now. It's going to start with this song that's black, and then it's going to go into this song that's like a light gray, and then it's going to go into a blue song. Then it'll go into a green song. Then I might revisit a blue song again, then go into a red song. And all of those songs are like, like, again, they're like colors. So I'll do that. And I write the set lists for Avail. And, and most, I don't even think the guys in the band really even know that, that I like write them based on that. I love that. That's really interesting. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I guess there's a label for it if there's like a name for it, but I don't even want to know because that's something that I've learned in my life is to not really investigate the way I tick, you know, like, because if I like know everything about sort of like a condition like that, synesthesia or some shit is what you call it. I can't remember. But um, if I investigate it, then I'll, it might ruin it, you know, if you know too much about it. So, uh, you know, even like, you know, like learning an instrument, like I love playing guitar. I love playing guitar. I love mm -hmm. every day that I learn something new, but I remember my buddy, but my brother <coughs> who studied music, it's just a fucking shredder on the guitar. And he learned classical. And I remember being like, you, you don't play guitar no more. And he's like, I just, I got bored with it. I learned everything I, I wanted to learn. That's the same sort of thing where like, you know, I don't want to investigate things that might ruin something that I appreciate. Yeah, I'm with you on that. You know, like, uh, it's a little different, but I don't know if I'm feeling down one day and I don't know why particularly, I'm like, well, why does it matter? Just what are you going to do? You're going to sit here or you're going to go do something. Create your results. Yeah, I'm not sure that we need to get too deep into that, but meaning like um, it, uh, too deep into 
current times, but it seems that we have become self-obsessed with sort of diagnosing and deep diving into every sort of aspect of our emotional well-being. And sometimes I think it's okay to just be like, "Ah, that shit happened, (laughs) and just walk away. (laughs) Exactly. So you said you have a new record coming out again? It comes out August 12th this year, 2022, uh, and it's called Spring Hill. And uh, yeah, I'm real happy about it. And then, of course, now I'm already writing another goddamn record. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when will I, when will I write my last song? <laughs> Hopefully never, Tim. I don't know, man. It, <laughs> the, the the list is getting a little long. I try to think of some of my peers who have as many songs written as I do. Yeah. There I guess there's two ways to do it. You know, there's the, you know, like Ag Front or somebody. You know, no, that's not a great example because they've written great songs throughout. I'm trying to think of somebody who Oh, Cromags. Yeah, it's like one way of doing it, just have like the heavy hitting, you know, like handful of songs that you could do the your whole life, or or uh, do what I'm doing and have way too many. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's some of the inspiration behind the new album? What were you going through? What experience went into this? Oh, I don't know. I mean, again, like it's just I'm just the songs just show up and they they come and they get written. And, um, any record I put out, I, you know, like I dive deep back into the memory bank. There's songs on there that were written, you know, when a veil was still together. And then there's songs, you know, that I wrote a week before I was recording them. So, uh, it's very Americana feeling it like, you know, it doesn't have drums. This record doesn't have drums and bass and stuff like that. There's some really, great accompaniment by Virginia musicians. Um, I did do a cover of the three song Swan Street that was originally released on the Discord record uh, State of the Union, which is a comp that came out in, I believe, 89. Um, the song has always been a huge inspiration to me. Sort of it, the song Swan Street by three is the song that I've been trying to write since the first time I heard it, which is just an acoustic song uh, that's just truly moving. Um, I know that the band Chamberlain recorded the song recently, and it's just it's just one of the best songs I've ever heard. And I, I urge people to listen to the original version if they haven't. Um, three is the number three. Yeah, you know what? I have to listen to that part. One of my favorite things... Uh with editing this podcast is all the bands and songs that people mention that I haven't heard while I'm editing, I jump on YouTube and listen to them. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it's a great song, but that's a cover. I usually put one cover on every record, but I usually do sort of maybe obscured uh, folk songs and less like, you know, punk or independent music driven songs. So that was a lot of fun, but I'm excited to get it out and play shows and then jump on this next project. Cause I can't stop. <laughs> yeah, you're already working on the next album. I love that. Yeah, and you know what's weird? People when they people tell me they got writer's block, I'm like, "Please take a part of my brain because <laughs> this is really like a burden. Like, you know, when I got to get up in the middle of the night cuz I can't get a song out of my head and I lose 2 hours of sleep. I'm like, "You want you take that so I can sleep for a little bit." <laughs> so I've never understood writer's block because and I think a lot of it is I do produce my own life going full circle to where we were starting about, you know, like walking without technology and, and living sort of like not in contemporary times in some ways. It's like, 
maybe it affords me the ability to hear and see and take it in and listen to people's stories. Those turn into songs, you know, like that kind of stuff where from just like the story is just the thing on the top of the Instagram. <laughs> it might not really turn into a sound or a lyric. It's amazing where inspiration can come from, isn't it? Like I've had dreams where someone uttered something I've never heard before and that became a song title or it just sometimes it just jumps out of nowhere. It's true. Yeah, I mean, I feel it. I mean, I went I run every morning when I was running the loop down at James River this morning. I'm, I must have gotten six song titles just they the birds weren't telling me. They just show up. <laughs> How do you keep track of it all? I, I use a notes app in my phone. I have one for the band and I just drop everything in there. I just jot stuff down on a notepad. And, yeah. you know, if I'm out running like that, I, I might, I, I have a flip phone and an iPhone. So yeah. I'm sort of like limited if I got the flip phone. I often <laughs> keep my iPhone off just because it's a sort of a burden, a distraction. Yeah. Um, now, why do you have both? What's your system? Well, I keep the iPhone at home and then I'll carry the flip phone just in case of emergencies. I got you. So that people can't contact me. <laughs> <laughs> to be completely honest, if I if I'm sitting in the dressing room at a show and I keep getting a thousand texts, I just turn my iPhone off, throw it in my backpack and pull out my flip phone and put it in my pocket and only my family has the phone number for the flip phone. So secret revealed. <laughs> now that people know that the flip phone is out there, they're going to be gunning for that number. Yeah, they ain't going to get it. But it limits <laughs> me in keeping, um, you know, like notes and things like that. And I tell you, those iPhone, the, the audio thing is just, man, what a treat to be able to just sit up in the middle of the night and turn on, you know, a voice memo and record what you're thinking and then throw the phone back down and go back to sleep. So cool. And my daughter, Lila writes a lot of songs and that really helps. Um, you know, it's easy to forget a melody or a lyric and I can just grab the iPhone and we can sing it into it together and then she can work on it later or something. Yeah. I love it. That's what I, that's what I still use. And I used to write everything acoustically, like you were mentioning earlier, but my acoustic guitar broke, I don't know, six years ago, and I still haven't gotten it fixed, so I, I just write on an unplugged electric. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whatever works. Yeah. It's just music, you know? It doesn't need to be perfect. Three chords and the truth. I've read about your philosophy as far as and process as far as recording and everything, and I really like where you're coming from, because you're like, you know, you can make the rules and you just do what you do. Like, you don't use a click track. You're not one of these guys who has to do like 50 takes with 10 guitar tracks to make it perfect. You know, you, you do a couple takes and you get it where you need to get no click track and, and that's it. Yeah. It's, it's just a feeling. And again, man, I, I truly believe in living outside of the sort of establishment in the music industry dictates that things are done a certain way, but the music industry has done nothing for me. So why answer to them? I'm I'm in my own world and I have my own output and technology has given us an incredible gift of um, making uh, the powers that be the money hungry and grabbing powers that be irrelevant. And we can just sort of grab our art by the belt and give it to people how we want. And that goes with the studio that goes with shows that goes with 
you know, not having to have perfect takes, but takes that feel good. You know, if I show up into a city and a club does me wrong, I don't need the fucking club. I got an acoustic guitar and a fucking internet connection. I'll just say, hey, I'm playing in this park in one hour. Meet me there and I'll play in the fucking park. There's no financial exchange. There's no financial benefit. It's just music. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's what I mean by just living outside of it. Again, that goes with the studio, that goes with live shows, that goes with whatever. It's it's yours. It belongs to you until you make it public. And then it's ours. How you choose to share it is up to you. I love that. Do you still have to deal with bullshit from clubs or anything at this stage? No. My relationships with all of the clubs that I play at, 99.9% of clubs that I play at, are built on mutual respect and a long-lasting relationship. They know when I show up, it's all, you know, I'll get a 12-pack of beer and a, some waters and maybe some LaCroix. <laughs> yes. And that's it. Do you know what I'm saying? And that, <laughs> yeah. And that I get paid based on how many people come. It's just like no bullshit. I don't know. So why I don't want to deal with clubs that are full of it, and clubs don't want to deal with artists that are full of it. So if we both go in with the same sort of perspective, then everything's great. So you played a solo tour with Hot Water Music and Be Well, yes? Yes. And then went down south with a veil and Be Well. Be Well is fucking killing it, man. That band is so good. You know, I listened to them before that solo tour. I was they they were also added to an avail tour. And so I, I listened to them a bunch, you know, for approving them for the avail tour. But I listened to the music. I didn't research the band members. I didn't look at pictures of them. I didn't look at names. I just listened to the music for whatever reason, you know, uh, and I and I was I, I was surprised how much I liked it because it's like hardcore. Um a style of hardcore that I haven't listened to in, in years. I love going to punk and hardcore shows. I don't always enjoy listening to punk and hardcore at home. But I remember a neighbor came over and she was like shocked by how animated I was about B-Well's songs. And when I got to the first show at the auto bar in Baltimore, which is a great venue staffed by incredible people, I like walked in and looked at the stage when B-Well was sound checking. And I was like, holy shit. I know every single person up there. In fact, I'm close <laughs> friends with many of the folks who are on that stage. And I am so happy for um, them. They're really catching on. And I think people should give them a really deep listen. They just put out a new record this last week. Was it this week? And it's doing really well. Be well, B-E, and then next word, W-E-L-L. And they are killing it. I love them. So you knew the members of the band and you didn't even realize it. Well, no. Yeah. So when I was listening to the music, it, it, I had no idea that they were the lineup that they were pretty awesome. So I didn't go in with that friendship bias because you know what? If I'm close to somebody and they put out a record, I'm going to listen to it with a different ear than I am a stranger. And so I didn't go in thinking I'm going to love this band because I love all the people in it. <laughs> so I just like loved it. And then realized, holy shit, these are all solid folks. So if you're going on a tour, you'll get a list of bands for support? Yes and no. With the solo stuff, I, I curate all that stuff on my own. Mm -hmm. I, I really love listening to all kinds of different music. And, and the solo shows, I think, probably showcase that pretty well. 
and then the avail stuff you know it, avail is temporary and we there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen so we all have our ideas of who we would like to spend time with um we love getting suggestions from from other folks too um in that particular situation it was avail and hot water music who were who were you know lifelong friends with and then um when it was suggested to add be well they were new to all of us so because spending time on the road with people is pretty intimate and you want to be around the right people, you know, uh, but first and foremost, you want the music to be appropriate for the, the billing. That's in that scenario. That's what I was listening to. Yes. Sometimes though, I get lists of bands to listen to. And what do you do? Will you go on the internet and listen to them or what's your process? Usually they're sent with links. Okay. So, but really the chances of like having those bands, on the shows is pretty rare because there's, I mean, just if, you know, if I go in a 30 mile radius of the city of Richmond, there's more than enough talent. You know what I'm saying? There's more than enough great players or bands. So, you know, they say it's who, you know, but it's actually who knows you. So (laughs) like I'm listening to the folks around here mostly and being introduced to music via friends and things like that. Yeah. At at this stage, I'm not really blindly clicking through Spotify to find things. Like it, it comes to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. One way or another. Well, you know, all the all of my favorite bands to this day are probably the ones that are on mixtapes that people made me, you know? Yeah. So and and you listen to them with the ear of the person who made you the tape. And I don't know that a Spotify playlist has that same effect on me, but you know, that's that's where it comes from for me. And what's your thing musically? What do you listen to nowadays? Well, the Hamilton soundtrack, soundtrack uh, Shakira, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lady Gaga. Um, you know, Sundays is my day off from reality. And that's usually when I listen to a lot of music. My kids are usually with their mom that day. And so last Sunday, I listened to Gillian Welch and I listened to both Lenny Lashley records. He's Lenny Lashley up in Boston is one of my favorite songwriters and players out there. And in fact, I'll listen to his records and I'm talking about vinyl records. I, I, they just sound so good on vinyl. I, I can listen to Lenny's records on repeat. And so that day I listened to one of his records twice and another one one time. And so that's where I'm at this week. Who knows where I'll be next? Nice, nice. And is that, yeah, like, what do you do when you're chilling out? Now, you said you spend time outdoors or you just listen to music. Is that your thing? No, I mean, I do. I, hopefully, like everyone else, I do a million things. I like to fish. I relic hunt for Civil War junk. I run, I ride bikes. I love freight trains, work on the house, garden, many things. Gosh, I mean, it's endless. I, the only thing I don't do much of is socialize, which is weird, but <laughs> I have like one friend. <laughs> That's about it. Do you not like to socialize? Like me, I I like to socialize, but in small bursts. I can only do maybe two, three hours at a time, and then I need to retreat. Where Where are you with it? Oh, it's about the same. Yeah. Um, my neighbor, Grace, I love her to death. We'll spend time together 
I got a couple other buddies and that's about it. It's the only thing I do. Yeah. The only thing I don't do is do too much socializing. I live a block from the river. So my whole life revolves around that. Like it, it, you know, like just depends on the time of day or I'll go down there, you know, again, like since, you know, I already ran seven miles this morning, took my kids to school and ran seven miles. And now I'm on with you. And then we'll go, when I pick them up from school, we'll go back down and go fishing. That sounds really nice. I love that because I, I grew up in a, well, a more rural area than I'm at now. And we would go fishing and, and find trails in the woods and make little forts. And that's, that's great stuff. That's what my girls are. We, we, we have the best of both worlds. We live in a city. We have all that cities offer, but we have the magic of the James River Park system a block from our house. So let's talk about what we've got coming up. You said there's going to be some more Avail shows, yes? Yeah, so, oh gosh, I hope I don't do anything that's not announced. August 12th is Spring Hill, my new record coming out. And then I think the only things that are announced, I play up in Philly at Union Transfer on April 8th. I'm sorry, the 9th. And then I go up to Montreal to do a solo show at Pooza Fest. Propagandi's playing, and I can't remember who else. A bunch of great bands, and that's May. And then June, Avail goes up and does Boston, uh, Silver Spring, Maryland, Philly, and New York City. And that's with Frank Turner and the Bronx. And then... Everything else that's happening is unannounced, but there's some really, really cool stuff coming up. And those will that will include a bunch of um, solo shows because the record will be coming out. I'm looking very forward to hearing the record, and I know many other people are. So folks, Spring Hill, this August, you've got to get it, right? We have to listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't we? And, you know, Tim, a lot of people have asked, New Avail music. Is it ever a possibility? It is not even something that we've discussed. Yeah. Uh, it. And I would say that it's, it's, it's pretty damn doubtful. Like who knows, right? Because there was years where you said uh, there's never going to be another Avail show and it wasn't going to happen till it happened. Yeah, that's true. And then you, it, and I'm not going to say this because I think that Avail should write songs because we spent many years writing songs that were really bad. And that's why we never released another record because why release just bad songs? But man, when you think that uh, music can't get any better than Hot Water Music just comes out with possibly one of the best records they've ever made after all of these years. And that just came out, you know, this week. So you never know what the hell can happen. Exactly. So are, how do you feel about it all? Are you happy to be playing with Avail again and doing what you're doing? Or are you still surprised that it happened after such a long absence? I'm having fun with it. And I take things one day at a time, one show at a time. So I think going back to it, I feel lucky again um, that anyone gives a flying crap about anything I'm involved in. And uh, I feel f very thankful. Well, Tim... I just want to thank you for taking the time uh, to come on the show. You know, you've created so much music that I love, that many people love, and I just want to say thank you. I appreciate it, Keith. There you have it, folks. Tim Barry. Now that 
was an excellent conversation. Really nice guy. Has done so much in music between Avail and the solo work. I love what he's doing. Really down to earth. Sounds like he's living a very nice life down there in Virginia with his two kids, living by the river, hanging out outside. I really love you could hear the peaceful sounds of birds chirping in the background as we were talking. He's just a really down to earth, nice guy, a real pleasure to talk to. And you heard in the beginning of that conversation, he gave me a little pep talk. You know, it was it was right when Tommy had left the show and I was feeling down between that and everything going on at work. And he asked what was going on and boosted me up a little bit. And, you know, I just walked away from that conversation feeling really good. So I'm really happy that he took the time to come on the show. Thank you so much, Tim. That was fantastic. All right. So how are we doing, huh? How are we doing? Let's check in. Let's talk to each other. What's going on? What's going down? I've had a really active week between work and life and everything else. I have attended a gig, folks. I went to a gig last night at St. Vitus. I saw a Black Sabbath cover band called Black Sabbath Cover Band Rehearsal. <laughs> what a name. It is a Black Sabbath cover band that features members of the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. Dirty Projectors, and of course, new scene guest, Brad Truex on the bass. Really great band. I like Black Sabbath. I don't put them on and listen to them. You know, I I only know the singles and the big songs, but really talented band, really dug what they were doing. But I, I guess I'm really tired lately. I don't know what's going on, but they started playing at nine. I made it to about 10:20, and then I was really claustrophobic. The place was packed. The place was packed front to back, and I was just having a hard time standing up. And I got really tired, and I had to leave. I left around 10:20 p.m. I think I missed I don't know another two or three songs, but it was a really good show. Definitely check them out if they're playing anywhere near you. Spent a lot of time outside this weekend, which was nice because you know I'm cooped up in here all week working nine to five and working on the podcast at night. So I went out and hung out with some friends in the park and it was just good. It's nice being outside. The weather is warmer. I'm really into it. I'm feeling good. Spring is coming. Really don't have any complaints. All right. So let's read a couple new reviews. We've got a couple new Apple podcast reviews. Okay. Number one from Callie Mac, 86, five stars. Hello, Keith. It's awesome that a hobby from the pandemic has become something worth sponsoring. I listen to this podcast at work, and it's the best distraction. We'll miss you, Tommy. Thank you, Callie Mack. And yes, absolutely. We do miss you, Tommy. I still talk to him. He's doing well. Everything is good. Okay, next review from PRT Land. Five stars. Enjoyed the conversations. Really enjoyed the past few episodes. Great insight from Emily and Russ. Appreciate the pace of the conversations and open-ended questions. Thank you so much, PRT Land. By the way, Mac 86 or PRT Land, if either of you are a size medium, let me know. You win the shirt. I've still got a size medium shirt to give away. If either of you are a size medium, Email me. First one to email me gets the shirt. There you go. Thank you for the reviews. Keep them coming. We got to get over 100. We have to. I mean, we just have to. And you can get in touch with me at newscenepod at iodinerecords.com. Email me. I'm here. 
And it was a crazy week for New York City, the subway shooter. Did you hear about this? The shooting unfolded on a Manhattan-bound N subway car during the Tuesday morning commute this week. Just before 8.30 a.m., the train approached the 36th Street station in Brooklyn's Sunset Park neighborhood. A guy set off some smoke bombs and opened fire on the train. He disappeared, but thankfully he dropped his credit card and some other personally identifiable information. Thanks to the help of New York City citizens, he was caught in the East Village a couple days later, and he's in custody now. So those citizens will be splitting the reward, so good for them. I got some phone calls and some texts from my parents and friends, everybody asking if I was okay, and yes, I don't think I've ever even been to Sunset Park. You know, there's many parts of Brooklyn that I'll probably never see. But uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, my condolences to everybody affected by the shootings. I don't think there was any deaths from it. I know some people were in critical condition, uh, but it's just a shame. Everybody's on the train headed to work, slogging another day, and then you've got this guy upsetting everything for everybody, and it's just, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. But thankfully, everybody appears to be okay, and the guy's in custody now, so that's it. So I guess that's it, folks. Continue to write to me. You can reach me at newscenepod at iodinerecords.com. Follow us on social media, newscenepod on Instagram, newscenepod on Twitter. We're also on Facebook and Twitch. I haven't done any streaming lately. There just hasn't been any time, but I'm going to get back to it again at some point. And look, we've got a lot of great shows coming up. Some big, big conversations. They're going to keep rolling in. We're going to be here every Monday morning with you. So stay tuned. And that's it. We're back next week with a new episode and a new guest. So thanks everybody for listening. And until next time. Yay!